We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in. Thursday edition, Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready here with you today. We're going to call Jeffrey Wright here in a second. Talk to him about, uh, I don't know, sports topics or stuff going around. From an Ole Miss standpoint, they start the series tonight in Tuscaloosa, the final three games of the regular season. Uh, six o'clock, six o'clock tonight, tomorrow night, and two o'clock Saturday to uh, close that off. Keon Coleman, the Michigan State transfer wide receiver, has chosen the, chosen the Florida State Seminoles for his uh, next destination. We talked about that on yesterday's show. So uh, that'll get you going. That's kind of where we are heading into uh, this Thursday show. Before we call Jeffrey, I'll tell you about the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. A couple of Homemade donut options, Clinton, Brookhaven for those. You can uh, get a lot of varieties, a lot of selections there at those two locations for the donuts. Let them take care of dinner tonight as well. They can do that. Uh, ribs up and down I-55 throughout North Mississippi, including here in Oxford. And the daily lunch special is five sixty nine, two sides, bread, and any size fountain drink for that. Again, come to you from the Clark Ford Studio. We are Clark Fords in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for our buddy, Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright will join uh, momentarily on the uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive or you're wanting to put your career in your own hands, maybe you're an experienced entrepreneur just simply looking to diversify, Andy Ludicky can help you. He owns multiple franchises and businesses and uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. So what do you have to lose? Find your perfect franchise at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Contact Andy anytime at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net or call him at 404-973-9901. Speaking of, I'll uh, call Jeffrey here in a second. I do kind of like the glasses. Should I wear those more? They kind of work. Yeah, I've I've hit the point where without readers, I I struggle. Neil wearing some tortoiseshell lenses this morning. Frames, sorry.
Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Can you hear us? I can hear you all now. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. How you been? Oh, I'm well, we boys. How about y'all? Oh, we're living the dream, you know, typically how it goes. I'm just curious. We're, we're going to talk plenty of basketball. You got plenty to talk about it there in Memphis. I'm just curious. We, we, we made um, some days in the summer and the fall when we needed help out of the Bachelor over the years. Is Aaliyah into this uh, this golden era Bachelor that's coming? They're doing the old people Bachelor this fall. Is anyone actually going to watch this? So this? she had stopped watching. <laughs> she stopped watching The Bachelor, but she did announce like two nights ago that she's probably going to watch the golden era. And I looked at her and I said, I cannot do that with you. No. Like, I, I can't think of anything that I care about even less. The new series will be called the golden bachelor. The leading man is yet to be announced. The cast of female suitors will be announced at a later date. How old are these people? Quote, be? Whole new kind of love story. One for the golden years. A hopeless romantic is given a second chance at love and the search for a partner with whom to share the sunset years of life. The women arriving at the mansion have a lifetime of experience living through love, loss, and laughter, hoping for a spark that ignites a future full of endless possibilities in the end where a golden man turned the page to start a new chapter with the woman of his dreams. How old are these people? I'm assuming in their 60s is a guess, but it's a guess. They, they actually started this concept in like 2019, and the pandemic sort of killed it. And I think what's happened was because the writers strike, they need more stuff, and this is what came out of it. Yeah, no, I mean, for for all the people out there that cannot remember the last writer's strike, never forget, we got the murder plot on Friday Night Lights because of the writer's strike. Like, we are about to get some of the worst television that we've ever seen. I mean, this is going to be kind of a, a look into, and I think we're going to have to have an existential discussion about whether or not we're finished as a civilization. I just can't believe that anybody would want to watch people older than me like dating and stuff i'm almost wondering if they're hoping it has a bit of a season one ted lasso kind of thing where you just it's actually is it's got to be almost whole it can't be catty it's got to be almost like endearing in a way which is not the bachelor's stick at all but it can't be hey the the 68 year old from alabama and the 64 year old from san diego fighting i mean it's got to be like well, I mean, milk and cookies. That sounds first off. That sounds like a challenge. Okay, fair. Like, I mean, I, I wonder if like that's going to be kind of like the gimmick. I mean, you know, what if it's like, hey, no matter how old you are, like you put you put enough people into this situation, and and survival instincts just take over, and everyone's just a terrible human being. Maybe, maybe it becomes Lord of the Flies. On Golden Pond Edition. I don't know. Did you see where one of the... We're going to get off this, I promise. Did you see I'm where sorry. one of the former Bachelors... He he went through the whole show, picked a, a Bachelorette, the whole thing. He turned out... Or he came out as gay and just recently got married to his partner. After doing the whole show? After doing the whole show. Fooled, really? Apparently fooled 25 women. In an effort to be a celebrity. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's kind of the other thing. It's like, I don't know. There's this kind of this weird, there's kind of this weird moment in time. I'm not sure like when going on reality shows became a way to obtain fame. 
because in the early portions, like that really wasn't the idea. And then clearly it became a situation where you could like, that was your, that was your foot in the door. So, you know, uh, the, having gone to, having gone to college in Pepperdine where, uh, there is a, there was a pretty high population of gay guys. I can see how that happened. Okay. So there, there were quite a few that there were quite a few guys that none of the girls knew to which I always said, you, you should have come and talked to me. I, I, I could, I could figure that one out for you. I just was curious. I just kind of shocking that he pulled that off. Um, all right. So, uh, John Morant, is he going to play for the Grizzlies next year? I think he's going to play for the Grizzlies next year. The question is how much is he going to play for the Grizzlies? Because the question for me is going to be, is the players union going to take up the cause? Because it certainly seems like through Adam Silver's comments, through the comments of all the talking heads, whether it be ESPN, whether it be last night on the TNT crew, there seems to be the understanding that it's going to be a very severe penalty. But if Adam Silver goes and tells the players union, Hey, you know, we're thinking half the season, they're now going to be forced to, they're now in my opinion, going to be forced to make a decision. Are are they going to fight this? Because essentially he would be getting a punishment that would be one of the most severe punishments that we've seen in the NBA and really, when you're trying to define what did he do, well, he was an idiot. Like, but he didn't break. He didn't break the law. It was a terrible look. But that is going to be an interesting question because I don't know. I don't know how the players' union feels. I get the sense there's a lot of people in the players' union that don't really want to take up the cause. But then it becomes a situation of: Are you going to allow Adam Silver to? really use the conduct detrimental to the league policy in a fashion that, you know, we used to see Roger Goodell use. So that to me is the the big question. And yet on the other hand, and I, I agree with everything you just said, if you're silver, he's pissed. I mean, that he, that's as pissed as I've seen him in that interview with, uh, I can't think of her name right now. Um, Malik, Malik Andrews. Thank you. He very clearly had talked to Morant in person, face-to-face in New York, and had very clearly felt like he'd gotten his message across. And it's only been a couple of months. And he's like, I, I, if I don't hammer you, I don't have – I look like a paper tiger, and I don't think Silver wants to look like a paper tiger. It's one thing when it's stuff that happens like in China and he really can't control it and he just has to sort of grit his teeth – but when it's one of his players doing one of his high profile players on one of the up and coming potential sort of Cinderella teams in the league, and this happens where it's just sort of flaunted directly in his face, I don't see where from his perspective he has any choice but to really make this hurt. Yeah, to me, it was very clear whether or not I I don't know what the actual verbiage was. But there was clearly an understanding of, hey, this can't happen again. Well, it happens again 10 weeks later. And the thing that has been amazing to me is 
watching how quickly the issue gets muddied, you know, John Moran is not in trouble because of race. John Moran is not in trouble because he broke the law. He's not even in trouble for other off-the-court issues that he's had. He's not in trouble for his drinking. He is in trouble because he has two videos, one from his own personal Instagram account and the other from his buddy's Instagram account that has already been removed from FedEx form by the Grizzlies in the league. I, I think it's technically by the league. I don't understand, like, why that is getting lost. Like, it just shows, like, honestly – it is so easy to muddy the waters. All you have to do is just throw out the buzzwords and whatnot, and that's where we are. Like, he has done this to himself, and I, I just cannot understand why this is getting to be so complicated. How do the Grizzlies feel about him? Not this incident, I mean, I not this that, incident, Jeffrey, but him. I mean, what do yeah, they what do they think of him at this point? I think that's a, that is actually a complicated question because they're in a position where they have to have him. Like you can't, like you can't just go find another player like him. I mean, look how long it took for the Grizzlies to have a true superstar. Like this is the first one that they've had. I think that they recognize that they are somewhat at fault from enabling him. But they're also in this weird position of, well, what are you supposed to do if you're the Grizzlies? Like, we've created a system in the NBA where the players have a remarkable amount of power and control, and you're somewhat beholden to them. I think, though, one of the internal discussions that they have to have is they traded DeAnthony Melton last year. And DeAnthony Melton is one of the few players that could hang out with John Morant and his crew. And he kind of would be like, no, nah, we're not doing that y'all. Like, like, and that he was kind of a buffer. Also last summer, John Morant buys another house, moves out from the house with his parents. And you can all kind of like start to connect the dots. It's like, all right, you started giving him more freedom and, fewer, you know, fewer guardrails. And all of a sudden it went off. It just completely went off the deep end quickly. But at the same time, like they have to have, like if they're going to be an actual contender, they have to have John Moran. And so they are in, in kind of a sticky situation. I mean, that's not uncommon for rosters to be built with a guy or two that keeps bigger, better players out of trouble. Frankly, that's a college and a pro thing where you'll do some different things to, to fix some some off field stuff, but you know, you mentioned the way the Grizzlies have handled it. I mean, is there put whatever team you want in that conversation? I mean, what was what would be a way that a different franchise could have handled this from the jump? I think one of the Grizzlies' big problems is they operate very similarly to an SEC football program in which they are so hell bent on on controlling the message and, you know, not exposing their players to anything that would remotely resemble a, a tough question or, you know, anything uncomfortable. And because of that, you, 
you know, inherently you create, you create an environment where guys just, I think this warped sense of reality. I mean, I think if the Grizzlies would have been smarter, you know, you, you, you don't sit there and act like, oh, you can just go skip out on media. You can't do your, you know, you don't have to do your obligation. Like it's, you create an environment of making a professional. I, I feel like that they have created an environment of just coddling. And, and I think that's kind of where I would have started. He'd have any chance winning the series? I know they get game one, which is kind of predictable because Boston's so Jekyll and Hyde. But the Heat, while they're limited, they're pretty damn consistent. Like, this is a couple of months here where they've played pretty damn well. Oh, I mean, I think you have to say at this point that they have a, they definitely have a chance to win the series. Now, I think the longer the series goes, the more Boston will have the advantage because I do think talent eventually will prevail. But, I mean, this has to be the biggest coaching mismatch oh, we've seen in a conference finals in, in a very, very long time. People, and, people who don't follow the NBA on a fairly regular basis – probably don't understand what you and I are talking about. Boston Boston let Udoka go at the beginning of the year because of the deal with the woman inside the building and the the, the fill in has had his moments and he's going up against what I think who I think is the best coach in the league. It's also his best job, right? Spolster? This is his best coaching it's job, right? Kind of what he does. His teams just I, play I, well. I don't even know if it, that's that's the other thing about Spolster. Spolster's so good that I'm not even sure this is his best job. Okay. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? Like, he's gotten similar rosters to, like, you know, he's gotten similar. We got one roster to the finals like this. Because, I mean, so, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, it, uh, you look, know. crazy hypothetical, but, I mean, if, if Tower Hero's healthy, they're, like, the favorite right now to get to the finals. Maybe yeah. anyway. And, and Hero could come back in the finals if they get there. Okay. I mean, I still like the Nuggets more than I mean, the else, other- but... The other thing you have to remember is not only not only they let Adoka go, the guy that would have been the head coach is now in Utah. So they, you know, because the because of when they had to fire Udoka, he'd already taken the job in Utah, and so now you're in a position where your second assistant has become your head coach. I mean, with all the conversation about the coach firings, which is also another one of like. Are we really doing this? Like coaches get fired all the time. Like this is absurd to me. I mean, Neil, I think it's entirely possible if this thing only goes five or six. I think I think Mazzella or Missoula could be fired. Oh, I, I think anything short of making the finals and making an, a strong appearance in the finals, and they're going to move on from him. He's he's not ready for this. Are we are we smartening up as Coach, I mean, the NBA is doing it more than other franchise, other professional sports of getting rid of coaches after successful regular seasons and not reaching pinnacles. Are we moving to a more EPL style of coach situation in, in the NBA? I just think it's more of an acknowledgement that this is a postseason sport. And, you know, you're going to be judged solely based upon the postseason. I also think it's somewhat reflective of you know the NBA is the league where the players have the most power and 
you're not going to really you're, you're not going to get rid of the players. You're going to get rid of the coach first. But of all the of all the coaches that have been fired, I don't know. I find myself thinking like uh, the only one where I could really see the coaching being an issue. I, I think Budenholzer, Budenholzer, he has so many just public blunders of coaching, like not calling timeouts. Like I, I kind of get moving on from that. Like he clearly seems to be more of a culture guy and kind of a somewhat of like a scheme guy, but he's not great in game. So like, I do understand moving on from that, but most of the other firings, I'm just sitting there and going like, I watched all these series and I didn't feel like it was coaching. I felt like it was players shrinking in the moment, but you know, they're not going to get rid of the players. They're going to get rid of the coach. Yeah. I'm not the biggest doc rivers fan in the world, but they didn't lose that series because of doc rivers. Nothing to do with coaching. No, I mean, I think that's, I mean, they lost that series because Harden was like absolutely shrank in the moment. And, Embiid, whether it be through usage, whether it be through injury, whatnot, like Embiid was really bad in Game Seven too. Yeah, the the fact that Houston is thinking about trading the fourth pick and getting a veteran player for him, and then adding James Harden to that group and going, let's give it a roll, is blows me. It, it shows you that so much of the NBA is decided at the executive level. Because if they do that, I mean, as a Rocket hater, I'm I'm all in. Go for it. But what what a collection of idiots that would be. And then on the other hand, and, and Portland's the same boat. If Portland trades the third pick, which might end up being Scoot Henderson, because Damian Lillard doesn't want to play, quote, with another 19-year-old, they deserve whatever fate they get. I mean, let's, let's not forget, there are such things as poorly run organizations. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, you see it in the NFL, like, why did Dan Snyder hang on for so long? Well, if you're in a highly competitive league, don't you kind of like having someone that's the competition being incompetent? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. to me, like it's it's just for like, I, it, the Houston one is like the okay. I need to see that they're going to do this first because it strikes me as so dumb that I don't want to believe it's true. But if indeed, like that's what they're going to do and bring Harden back, like you 100% deserve whatever you get. Take a break in the podcast. Tell you about Prime Shrimp, PrimeShrimp.com. Seven different flavors available to be shipped right to your door. Fewer than 10 minutes, freezer to plate with Prime Shrimp. Let them take care of dinner tonight. Everything from the New Orleans style barbecue to the signature. It's two great uh, flavors that are very versatile. I use them on a ton of things, including lunch. Cut them up, throw them on a salad. They even make a great snack by themselves. Again, fewer than 10 minutes. You get dinner, you get lunch, you get a snack with Prime Shrimp. They're also available in all Rouse's markets throughout Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama. If there's a Rouse's, you can get Prime Shrimp. The lemon crack pepper flavor is great. Or you make full meals in a bag. The French Quarter Alfredo, the garlic herb butter. So many options there with Prime Shrimp. That's primeshrimp.com. Use hash use uh sorry code RG code RG buy five pouches or more twenty five percent off twenty five percent off with PrimeShrimp.com and code RG podcast also brought to you by G and M Pharmacy six six two two three six two 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 they deliver locally in the Oxford area and they offer MedSync to fill your prescriptions the same day each month and take care of you one trip to the pharmacy one delivery. 
You have everything you need when you need it with G&M. You can also transfer your medications easily. To do that, you give them a call. One call, they take care of the rest. So whether that's Holly Springs and Tyson Drugs or G&M in Oxford, that's 662-236-2222. Podcast brought to you by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. If you're ready for the Grove, join them at Vaught Hemingway Stadium this fall for the 2023 football season. Order tickets now to participate in the seat selection process. To explore seating options, visit OleMissTix.com or call them at 662-915-7159 to help lock the vault today. 662-915-7159. Podcast brought to you by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's NESpark.com. 662-238-3159. Phone service, portal controls, network security, a wireless mesh extender, and much more. So call the office for details and get the best internet in Lafayette County. Again, that is 662-238-3159. Nine. And then last but definitely not least, spring is here and it's time to refresh your outdoor spaces. Heavenly Sunshine Property Services is your go-to for professional power washing. From your home's exterior and sidewalks to your deck and patio, the team has experience equipment equipment to get the job done right with the advanced power washing techniques and attention to detail. They can remove dirt, grime, and mildew to reveal a fresh and clean surface. Heavenly Sunshine Property Services has been serving the Mid-South for over four decades. Their full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash roof applications, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. So contact Heavenly Sunshine Property today and get a brighter, cleaner outdoor living space. Visit the website at heavenlysunshine.com or give Sandy a call at 662-342-1203. 662-342-1203 to book your free estimate today. Use code MPW10 for a 10% discount. Yeah, I, it, it, it's, it's mind-bogglingly stupid if they do it. I mean, you, you sit there at, where are they, four? You sit there at four and you take, whether it's Cam Whitmore or Amen Thompson or whatever, you, you put another young piece with a young core that frankly doesn't make a lot of sense right now. But if you keep adding pieces to it, you can eventually figure it out. But you trade away one of the rights to one of those guys so that you can go get Pascal Siakam and pair him with with James Harden and a bunch of kids and go okay well we're going to win the West now it shows me that you, you're not paying attention but hey listen I hope they do it go for it well my whole thing is like is this a move to sell tickets like I, I just is this like they got you know they're they're acting out emotionally because they didn't get Wimbenyana and and they're like well we're not going to do this anymore like so I, I just don't understand the thought process like you tore this all the way down to the studs. Why, why are you abandoning now? Like, I just don't get it. You know this because you're, you're in a city where they're, they're, they're trying to do it the right way, all the John Morant nonsense aside. It takes patience. And sometimes organizations lose patience. Ownership loses patience. It, the whole rebuilding thing on paper, it's kind of like when you do wins and losses on college football games in May. It's pretty easy, subjective. It's not emotional. You get into a season and the crowd starts emptying out and the L's pile up and you know you only have a 14% chance at the number one pick and things get kind of emotional and you make you you hit the panic button. You hit the lever too fast. And once, once my, you hit it, there's no going back. I guess my question, though, is would they be doing this 
if they would have gotten the number one pick? No, no, they would be celebrating when Benyama. I mean, I do understand that there's clearly a difference between the number four pick in this draft and Wimbledon. But at the same time, it's like you're going to just completely abandon and change the entire thing that you've been doing now for a couple of years because the ping pong balls didn't go your way. Like, does anyone just sit there and go, what are we doing here? Like, like well, it's, it's happening in Portland, too, where if, if they had won the lottery, they would be thrilled. They would tell Dame, "Hey, look, he's not just your typical nineteen-year-old. He's yeah. he's Victor Wembanyama, but because they've got the third pick." Yeah, I, the problem with the, at least with Portland, there's a little bit of like I can at least conceptualize and understand. Like in the end, you have this weird ownership void, and there's a you know since the death of Paul Allen, like there's this all right, who's really running things? And then, in, in my opinion, like. Damian Lillard's like one of the most overrated quote unquote superstars. And he consistently does this, you know, Oh, I'm going to stay here forever. I'm happy here. And then all of a sudden he's leaking to anyone like, well, you know, he would take a trade. Like he'd like to get out of here. So I just feel like he's handcuffed them for so long. Like at least I could understand that one. The Houston one, I just don't get at all. Like you, you've committed to doing this. And now all of a sudden, because you, because the ping pong balls didn't go your way, like you're just going to completely rip it up and, and like abandon your entire plan for a plan that doesn't even seem to like make sense. It's just like, well, let's bring Harden back. Like uh, that one, at least the Portland one I can kind of get because Dame is somewhat calling the shots. And I think we've seen players do not make the best GMs when they're, when they are uh, currently playing. Yeah. One more NBA thing before we get to another topic I want to get your thoughts on real quick before while we still have you, and that's we talk about the West. We talk about Houston, Portland. There's a series going on in the West. Denver leads one nothing. but if I'm Denver, I did not feel good with the way that game ended on uh, – on, was it Tuesday night? Yeah, Monday yeah. night. Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Tuesday. Game, Tuesday. Two, game two is tonight. Um, who's, got the, who's got the momentum going into game two? So I really struggled trying to – trying to kind of evaluate what we saw because on the one hand, it was very obvious that the Lakers, and I want to be clear, Darvin Ham has been very good at in-game decision-making and adjustments throughout the entire playoffs. Like I've, I've been in of uh, the guy that I've been the most impressed with throughout the playoffs. It's been Darvin Ham. On the one hand, you sit there and you go, all right, they came out in the second half. They made some adjustments and they made Denver play in the half court and all of a sudden it was a super competitive game, and you can even make the argument that the advantage was to the Lakers. But on the other hand, that game felt like it was decided in the first half, and I felt like the Lakers were expending a lot of energy to try and make, you know, make this thrilling comeback, but it kind of felt like they ran out of gas. It was similar to the Grizzlies during the Lakers series. The Grizzlies in game three, I mean, they scored nine points in the first quarter, and they're just getting their absolute doors blown off. Well, then they kind of mount this furious comeback in the second half to make the final score look better. I give the Lakers credit because they actually turned it into, you know, a tie game. But I was finding myself wondering, like, 
is this like the classic, the team that falls behind big, makes a big comeback, but in the end they didn't have enough, and then they expended so much energy to do that that game two, and like you essentially lost two games in once. That's what I'm super fascinated about tonight. I want to see how the Lakers look because if we see in the first half, oh, no, they did find something, I mean, this is clearly game on in this series. Yeah, I want to see the first half of tonight because – Denver's now had 48 hours to adjust to the adjustment, which is what makes playoff basketball awesome. Is Sam Presti always says you can't really evaluate a team until it's played a series, and he's right. I mean, we're about to see with Denver because they, they couldn't get stops in the second half. Beyond what happened with in the fourth quarter where uh, Jokic couldn't score, Denver couldn't get stops in the second half. And so they've, gotta, they've had 48 hours to adjust. It'll be really interesting to see what, what game two looks like. I mean, I think the other thing, though, is do we really believe the answer for the Lakers' woes is putting Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic? No, because Jokic is going to adjust to that. It, it, it's, it's What's going to be interesting is Ham's going to do that until it doesn't work, and he's had 48 hours to prepare for what he'll do when it doesn't work, and I want to see what they do after that. And at some point, this is, and this is where the series is going to be so much fun, at some point, for, in my opinion, for the Lakers to win the series – Anthony Davis has to put on his superstar cape and he's got to guard Jokic and he's got to limit him. You can't, you can't stop him. He's going to get his, but you can't let him dominate. I think, I think ultimately it's going to be Davis's job. Yeah. The problem though is that gets him so far away from the basket and their half court defense is just so much worse when he's away from the basket, when he gets to do kind of that free safety roam around rim protection, like that's the other thing. I mean, if you're looking for some Laker positive, like, you know, positive momentum, I can't really imagine Denver making as many tough shots as they did in game one. And you still had the ball with a chance to, you know, win the game late. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
that does at least bode well. But I just, I don't know. I just felt like, I think I'm leaning more towards that game felt like to me, the team that expends a lot of energy trying to mount the comeback, they weren't able to do it. And then you wind up losing two games in one. Ole Miss didn't get Keon Coleman yesterday. He went to Florida State, which is what I sort of expected. I've heard numbers kind of where the numbers were. I think safe to say the number was at least $350,000. Here's my question if you're Ole Miss. How big of a loan? Hold on, hold on, hold on. For a year? Well, actually for about eight months. And I I think we're low, but go ahead. I got on his Instagram yesterday. It's a minute of my life that I can't have back. I'm embarrassed to admit that I, I, I went, I clicked the button. Um, he said for the next, I think he said eight to nine months. He might've said seven to eight months, but regardless, we'll call it eight months. Give Keon the benefit of the doubt one way or the other eight months, at least three fifty, And I might be really low. Here's my question. How big of a blow is that? And if you're Ole Miss and he's not there now, do you, I don't know anything about this guy. You know, a lot more football than me is, is Zachary Franklin, a difference maker at the sec level. I mean, I just haven't seen enough. Like, I don't know. I mean, to me, one of the bigger issues that that Ole Miss has is how many true playmakers do they have right now? At receiver? Yeah. Uh, at receiver, Trigg is a potential playmaker, but you're counting on something that's unproven. Um. I think they think Priest Corn is going to be a threat. I don't know how much of a playmaker he is. Uh, your other receivers, I mean, I think they think Aiden Williams will be a playmaker, but he's a true freshman. That's their problem. I mean, it's at, you've got you've got obviously a playmaker at running back who's a stud, and you've got a, a a good quarterback room that you have to sort out. But it's a good quarterback room. It's a better problem than 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 it could be. And I think they're good up front. I don't think they're great up front. And that offense has always really thrived when there was a stud at receiver somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it was Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore. That's It, it kind of revolves around getting the ball to one guy. I don't. I don't know that they had. I don't, I don't know that Keon Coleman was going to be that guy. But obviously, he put up really good numbers at Michigan State, and there was a quite quite the bidding war. Apparently, I just I don't know enough about Zachary Franklin. For those who don't who who don't know, it's he's the wide receiver at Texas San Antonio. He had. I'll pull up his numbers from from last year. Uh, he's the all time leading receiver in UTSA history. I don't I don't know his, his exact numbers. That says enough. It, okay. he, yeah, I mean, he's he, caught a lot of balls. He, he, he had other, more than a. Th- he had. Let's see. Last season, he had ninety-three catches for eleven hundred thirty-seven yards, fifteen touchdowns in Conference USA. No, he is like he's a legitimate like like he put up numbers, but I just don't know. Like <clears throat> you know, we've seen at least in college basketball, we have seen guys that transfer up. They do not. You know, maybe there's an exception here and there, but in general, they are never as productive as they were at the lower level. You know, it's like 70, 80% of of what they were at the lower level. I I just don't know enough about Franklin. Like, did he wind up at UTSA because, hey, maybe the grades weren't good enough and that's how he got there? Or, like, to me, like, that's kind of how you have to parse out the, the transfer portal. It's like, 
were guys at this lower level because of COVID and, and, you know, there wasn't enough evaluation and this guy just got overlooked? Or is this guy just putting up really big numbers at UTSA because they've been able to scheme him open and he's taken advantage of Conference USA DBs? And that's just not a question I feel comfortable answering because I just, you know what I mean? Like, I've watched UTSA as, you know, I think I watched them like four games last year, but, you know, they also, you know, I have a situation with Wilson where Wilson is a tremendous athlete. He extends plays, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get these big plays, but how much of that was, how much of that is like Franklin? How much of that is Wilson, you know, to be determined? And this is where I have two thoughts on the portal. One is the coverage of the portal. Uh, Immediately, and this is, I get it. Well, I'm not, it's not a criticism. It's just an observation. Keon Coleman gets on Instagram, says, I'm going to Florida State. Immediately, everyone starts with, okay, well, does, does Zakari Franklin make sense for Ole Miss? And it becomes a, a narrative where everybody's like, well, what's the latest on Zakari Franklin? And the honest answer on anyone's part is, I don't know. I mean, I, I, no one on the coaching staff is, is telling these reporters that, oh, oh yeah, we, we're turned our attention to Zakari Franklin. Maybe people in the collective perhaps have. I, I don't know. Um, and then the second thing is this kind of exposes the, the flaw in being so dependent on the portal. You go after a guy, you don't get him. And now all of a sudden, okay, well, we're desperate on May the 18th. Let's just throw a bunch of money at a guy in conference USA and hope that it works out. It's, it's a men portal in general. You don't know how these guys are going to translate from mid majors to the, the top level. I mean, it's across every sport. You have no clue. Getting that right a large percentage of the time is dictating whether or not you have success in the portal, period. <clears throat> well, I mean, it's where your your scouting department has to be really good. I mean, it's you know, we've turned this into we've turned this into professional football. Like it, it becomes a question of are you giving a bunch of money to a kid because you have the money and you struck out or have you identified, hey, this is a guy that can play for us. Like, here's what he can do. And, I mean, honestly now, like, I, I feel like, see if y'all agree with this. I feel like because recruiting and the portal, NIL, everything, like, we've just, we've overloaded people with stuff to think about and care about. And people just don't have enough time in the day to to follow everything. So we've now actually turned it into, what did you do on Saturday? And because, like, you can't follow every – like, I don't feel like you can use, well, look at our recruiting class we got coming in. We That, that will, you know, that'll save us, whatnot. It's now just going to be, you know, much like we talked about at the beginning, like, it feels like it's just going to be determined by what do you do on Saturdays. And now that you have so much money with coaches, like – you know, people are just going to move on like more quickly. That's that's kind of how I see this going. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it's just I'm I'm watching I'm watching fans get super excited about guys that are really unproven at anything resembling the SEC level because they have numbers at a group of five league. And I get it. I understand it. It's hey, it's it's another piece for my team, but. It just doesn't – I'm being a jerk here, I guess. I, I look at who's winning in the league, right? Georgia and Alabama and, and 
LSU, I guess, to some degree, they're not doing this. This is not the way they're doing it. And so when you're doing it a completely different way than the teams that are winning big, Ohio State's not building through the portal like this. I just... It just feels like a real risky approach. That's all. I, I, I'm, I'm sort of cynical about it. That's not the right word. I'm a little no, skeptical I mean, about it. They're, they're plugging. Those teams are plugging holes with the portal, like to your point. Yeah. But, I mean, I think the problem is Ole Miss can't do it like Ohio State. Ole Miss can't do it like Alabama. They can't do it like Georgia. They can't do it like LSU. So you have to find a different way. If you're going to have to beat them, well – that's probably not going to happen. But what if you can do it better than everyone else? Well, then all of a sudden, like that's how you get the nine and three, ten and two season, and kind of keep everybody happy. But I'm more fascinated by this. I think because of COVID, we had a there was a lot of misevaluation, and I'm not even like blaming coaches. It's understandable why there was misevaluation. Yeah, they didn't get these guys on campus. They didn't get to see them. And people had to put rosters together. So because of that, and then you add in the the transfer waiver, you had this mass, like you had this larger pool than usual of probably available players. And I wonder if people fell in love with doing that, taking that approach, when realistically it was probably an outlier rather than a blueprint. Yeah, could be fair. Uh, quickly, and I got to go in a minute, Jeffrey, but <clears throat> the 30 to 90 second version of this, where is Memphis in any of this realignment? Is there a hope for them anywhere or are they just kind of sitting where they are? The hope for Memphis is you need the ACC to fall apart. And the hope for Memphis would be you, you latch on to whatever the remaining ACC schools are and, and that path. Because when I look at it with the Big 12, they could have taken Memphis last time if they wanted to, and they didn't. And this has happened again and again and again. To me, what Memphis needs to move up, they need chaos in the ACC, and then you latch on to whatever the remaining, you latch on to whatever the remaining, you know, fabric is. Whether that means they, you know, I assume that means you're going to go to whatever the ghost of the ACC would be. But to me, that's their only path because. If the Big 12 expands again, which I think is entirely possible, it does not seem like that they're going to go get Memphis. They're going to try to get Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, or you know whatever the remain whatever they want to pick from the Pac-12. If they fall apart, I don't see them. I don't see them expanding with <clears throat> Memphis because they could have done that last time and they didn't. This ACC thing, the Group of Eight, this this is it's getting closer to happening, right? Well, I mean, we've. It's funny how quickly we forget. Like, we've seen the the. Uh, all right, we've got to change the money distribution. We've got to make sure we keep the big boys happy. Before, it was what the Big Twelve did with Texas. Texas still left. Like, to me, like this isn't this isn't a solution. This is just like a stay of execution. Yeah. Hey, man, as always, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. All right, boys, be good. That was Jeffrey Wright on the uh, MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. Really kind of him to spend as much time as he does with us each and every Thursday. 
Um, yes, no. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like getting stories. How many stories have we deleted now over the last week? It's become very just commonplace to have several in the admin and just just delete, 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 yeah. delete. I've deleted like <clears throat> four. I guess I'll write two more today based on stuff I've heard. Really? Yeah. Not who knows. I don't. Does it matter? Does it matter if we have the story or not, or does it matter? I mean, in in two hours, uh, probably not. I mean, I mean, you get well. I mean, I, you you didn't you take didn't, out the point one percent. You didn't live my December. Take out the point people 1%. lost their freaking mind that we didn't write a story about a three star offensive lineman that they probably couldn't name right now. If I said, "Gun to your head, offensive lineman from Louisiana who signed with Ole Miss in December," go. Um. Yeah, but I was pissed. So no, I'm, I try to have the stories ready. Okay. Even though they say nothing. Well, they give some background. Keon, uh, Keon Coleman did his announcement yesterday shirtless. Thought that was. Oh, do you really? Yeah, I thought that was a move. It's confidence. It was confidence. It's confidence. Yes, yeah, for sure. You can read into it. That's true. You want your wide receivers to be confident people. So it's positive? I mean, I would have recommended that, hey, you put a shirt on. but Tank top? I mean. Compression? I, you can wear a compression shirt to still show that you... You good with that? I mean, if you're a fit, if you're <clears> super <throat> fit like guys like him are, there's pretty much... So if DK wanted to commit to you, tell me he's got to put, he's got to put a shirt on first? Oh, no, I wouldn't tell him he had to. I would still recommend it. Okay. Like, hey, like when DK signed his big deal with the Seahawks, he did wear a shirt. He did. At the press conference. He did. I mean, he, did. he did wear a shirt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, he did. He put a top on. He put a top on. <clears throat> Actually, I think he put a tie on, if I recall correctly. Did he? He might have worn a coat. I can't remember. But he did wear he he was clothed. Okay. Yeah. Uh I saw today, just rambling here, that um baseball games in college or at least in the SEC are down twelve minutes over last year. So clock about twelve minutes on average. God, it feels so much faster than that. It's slowed down. I mean, we kind of predicted this a little bit. I think over the last few weeks, like there was again, I don't know if this is someone not doing their job, if this was instructed. The clock just didn't run some. Like the clock's been a little hit or miss over the last few weeks in different ways. I especially I, I've told you this by rule when there is a mound visit and those thirty seconds are extinguished, the clock is supposed to start immediately into the twenty second clock. It does That's not, not happen. No, 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 no. They're letting everybody reset. Are they? How strictly do you anticipate the clock being enforced in regionals, in super regionals, in Omaha? I expect an Omaha clock to be completely enforced to the point of people better prepare for that or it will get throw you off. Because it's close. I mean, it's 85% enforced now. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference in 85 and 100 oh, from what sure. that feels like. Sure. No, Omaha will be... By the book. Yeah, yeah. You, okay. have, you have to be. I mean, you can't. Frankly, regionals will be. That's somebody outside. Well... Super no, regionals. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Omaha. I can make the argument that never mind on uh, a few baseball notes, just stuff. Uh, I wrote about Garrett Wood this morning. Um, basically wrote a column saying Ole Miss should play him these last three games of the season. Um, not necessarily for what he's going to do, but for what he could have done. Um, it's maybe one of the biggest mysteries that I have over the course of the season. I asked Mike about it on Saturday. said Garrett is not hurt. He simply has not played him much this season. I think he only has two starts. He has two games over – multiple at-bats after being a really key cog in their national championship run last year where 
somebody put the GIF from Moneyball in the thread this morning, and I laughed and thought it was right. He just gets on base. He doesn't necessarily hit for a high average, but the team captain, he's only 5 for 12 on the season. He's hitting 417 and only 12 at-bats. He's walked several times. He walked 10 times during the NCAA tournament last year, not playing every day. He had a, almost 500 on base percentage. And it's the antithesis of what Ole Miss has done offensively. Frankly, they don't walk. They don't do a very good job of it. They're the only team in the conference that has fewer than 100 walks in conference play. They uh, are dead last in the conference in walks and overall games and walks in conference games. He's somebody who could have helped. He plays everywhere defensively. He's a good defender, um, maybe the most well-liked player on the team. I just I, I kind of scratched my head and went, you know what? I'm going to write about it. So I don't know. It's not going to change anything. Mike's not listening to me. but. Um, I would play Garrett Wood these last three days in Tuscaloosa based off everything, and frankly, he should have had more time over the course of the season because multiple spots where he could play, guys have struggled. I mean, even I mean, I'm not even saying bench, just days off. Take Give a guy a break. Let somebody play a weekend and see what it looks like because it's actually a credit to Garrett that he has so many quality at-bats not playing consistently. It takes a certain rhythm to have really good at-bats and to be able to come off the bench and have good at-bats without playing very regularly. That's a that's a skill in and of itself. So, uh, oh yeah, there's he's uh there's guys professionally that he's had. It, it's been a weird year. Let's put it that way. It's been a weird season. <clears throat> it is. Um, I did a podcast with Joe Healy of D1Baseball.com yesterday, sort of in a post mortem obituary on Ole Miss. It was pretty lengthy. Uh, it'll I'll link it on the board whenever it goes up. It's a lot of things that we've said here, but in more concise just nothing but that for about 45 minutes we had a little bit of sec stuff but uh that'll be up so i'll link it on the board as well and then uh somebody asked last night espn this and this is weird it's what state experienced last year too it's what old miss is really weird because of their current season and the way it's going um espn's documentary on last season's national championship is premiering on sec network monday night um to sort of kick off the sec tournament week if you will <laughs> Um, it's not going to be well received. It's just weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'll be, I'll, I'll be really frank here. I'm a little nervous because they talked to me for a really long time for this thing. Now they might have cut all my scenes. I don't know if I'm in it or not. But my point is, things I might have said in early March, it's not going exactly that way now. So while we were talking about last season, I'm a little concerned because I was told when I left that I would have a screener and have uh, say on the quotes that were used and i have not heard from espn again so i don't know what's coming on monday I maybe have. they scrapped you completely they might have and again fine cool yeah that, that's that's more than okay if, trust I, me. if i were in your shoes i would look at that as a blessing yeah it is happened. yeah 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 yeah. no i don't want to i have a hunch that that is not the case because i have a hunch i might have been one of the few people to talk about mike's imminent firing for the documentary oh. last year so started the on, on, on believe we started the show so we'll do some firing stuff in this podcast here we are. So, yeah, it's it's all right. It's all good. Yeah, I keep waiting for them to holler at us. Hey, can we use some of your podcast stuff for uh, this year's documentary? <laughs> yeah. Sure. I've had it. Um, it. So, anyway, those baseball things just uh, just popping up there. I saw this yesterday. Are you following any of this uh, Phoenix Coyotes getting probably run out of Phoenix? They're losing their hockey franchise. I, kn- this? I knew that they – we're playing in what was essentially a like a college rink this year and that there was a, a lot of unhappiness, but no, I did not realize they were leaving. Phoenix. So voters rejected an entertainment district that would have been anchored by a 6,000 seat stadium or arena for the, uh, for the team. It looks like it is very likely going to be um, 
moving somewhere else outside of maybe they said the only save would be if the son's owner bought them and then turned that into something. But otherwise they're probably out of, uh, out of Phoenix. The, just for people wondering where sports franchises are going, I feel like we're talking about tons of realignment and different things here recently. The most likely scenarios or locations for an expansion in an angel team or not expansion, a team moving from Phoenix, uh, salt Lake, Houston, Atlanta, uh, Kansas City, with an outside shot at Quebec City. Kansas City makes sense. They've got an arena right there ready to go. They want to get back in Atlanta. Obviously, Atlanta had the Thrashers. They lost them. It's been a, They have since realized that that was more of a managerial issue than a city issue with how bad, I guess, the Whalers have been since then. Um, so those are just off the top of people's heads, sort of what they uh, – what they believe there from what is uh what is possible by the way for those wanting to uh keep up with isaac ukwu he has a podcast because everyone has a podcast his uh podcast is called off schedule with isaac ukwu and that is where he plans to announce his decision whenever that decision comes down oh really yes <clears throat> it was winnipeg sorry not for either way whatever i'm kind of impressed with him having his own podcast though are you he's had uh 49 of them 49 editions oh well now that's impressive because he's kept it going yeah he's kept it rolling because you know like i think i think only 10 percent of podcasts go more than three episodes is that right and only one percent go more than 20 so we're in the like upper crust oh dude i mean yeah 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 it's it's I mean, 2,500, 3,000, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I have that right. I think it's I think it's 10% of only go three, and then it's like 1% go more than 20, something like that. Uh, hearing that he will uh, let schools know tonight what he's doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, it's just ridiculous. At least he's making a decision. I mean, the, the I, my blood pressure literally <laughs> ri- raises when I see the social media alerts with breaking, and he's cut the list to eighteen. I go, yeah, no, no, hold I on, I won't. I, hold on. Well, I'm the hold I'm, on. I'm the smart ass that replies to those with, you can't really consider twelve schools. You, you you don't really consider twelve schools. No player in the history of the world has ever been confused by eighteen schools. Well, well, no, no college kid. Well, sure. No, take the football out of it. A kid choosing a college doesn't really think about twelve schools or ten schools. Three schools, sure. Two schools, absolutely. Ten, twelve, no, nope, nope, didn't happen. You might list ten or twelve, but you're not really thinking about ten or twelve. See the Caleb Love news yesterday. That uh, Michigan- former North Carolina guard Caleb Love can't get into Michigan, has an admissions issue, and is back into the portal. Take that, North Carolina! All your talk about academic prowess. Would you hate it to have been the guy that goes, "Hey, you need to go tell Jawan that we can't get him in." Yeah. Hey, just heads probably, up. Probably didn't go well. Yeah. Can I just send an email? You know, carrier pigeon. You know, do I have an intern? You know, the kids just text these days. <laughs> I mean, hey, Jawan, no go on Caleb Love. Thanks. 
Yeah. By the way, I'm out for the next two weeks. Yeah. Vacation. Yeah. You seen those ads that make love is in a bit of a weird spot here because there aren't a lot of there's not necessarily room everywhere. I know what you people are thinking. Yeah, and I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't. I don't. Chris know. Beardfire raised his hand. And go, hey, I, 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 oh, I, I, I mean, find room. I'm sure he's one of many that have called. Yeah. What you thinking? Where you want to go? Yeah, I reached out. Hey, if you're interested, we'd be interested. I mean, he's good. Oh no, he he's he's a he's a really good player. Did not. All ACC freshman in twenty twenty one. McDonald's All American. No, he's a legitimate player. How does that happen? Where Michigan goes? Nope. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm almost kind of like props to Michigan. Really. A little bit, kind of like, well, okay, well, you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't meet the requirements, he doesn't meet We're the requirements. We're choosing, though. Come I get, on, Harbaugh is not dealing with that same thing. I wonder. I, I don't know the answer to this. I mean, now look, maybe the kid's transcript is a complete abomination. Is Harbaugh really active in the transfer portal? Have they done a lot of portal? I stuff? mean, they're not. I haven't paid attention enough to know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not being rhetorical. I, I don't know the answer to this. It, I haven't. I don't recall hearing Michigan's name a lot in portal stuff. It doesn't mean that I'm. I'm it's, true, it's true. I'm clearly not obsessing over it. I mean, I, I just don't. I don't. I don't know. When does it stop? When when does the basketball portal really kind of quit? Are we there almost? I think. I think if you're not in the portal now, you you can't get. Yeah, in. it's closed. Yeah, right? it's closed. And so now it's just a matter of picking your place. Which I know can go as long as it needs to. I would, I understand but I would that. think you want your guys on campus by the second spring, second summer term, which is typically right around July the fourth. See where uh, Scoot yesterday said that he uh, he has the ability to go number one. Still holding that up. Oh well, I mean, you should. I'm not blaming him. In yeah. in any year that Victor Wembanyama is not in the draft, he probably would go number one. Yeah, I mean that's it's not even a story. I would want my guy to go. Hey, no, yeah, I, sure. I can be the number one guy. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a it's a it's a good draft at the top. There's four, five really impactful guys. Henderson's legit. I mean, he's a stud. I mean, I, if you, if your franchise has a chance to draft him, you're thrilled. The whole disappointment thing over Winbanyama, I get it, but there are other good players in the draft, and I realize that this is kind of like saying. Other than other than that, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? But but Brandon Miller's a really good basketball player. Dude. If you're watching the John Morant thing. I know. Oh, it's terrifying. What's going on in Memphis is hurting Brandon Miller. I would think. That they go, hey. Although there's a lot of talk. Charlotte's gonna go Miller at two. Two. Six nine guy who can shoot it. As young as he is, as good as he could be, his potential. I mean, he's got God, it. if you're the three and you have Scoot sitting there. You're thrilled. That's a gift. That's the whole Portland thing. Yeah. yeah Portland's, Portland's sitting there with, with a, a star player saying, I don't want to play with another 19-year-old. Wow. Could anything make you watch uh, a golf major this weekend? Um, Not much. Not much. Uh, the... the the, I guess the one would be um, 
you can tell this is I'm about to reveal my it's total lack of golf. The, the the guy that was so good, he was a big voice for fighting the the uh, in the LIV. Is it Rory? Who who got bounced out of? I guess it was who got bounced out of Masters and on Friday that everybody thought was going had a horrible tournament. I guess it was Rory. Yeah, Rory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess if Rory was in it, I'd okay. be I'd be kind of interested. Okay. There was a big story on him yesterday with Van Pelt and not Van Pelt, uh, uh, Marty Smith, and about how he he didn't realize how much that all took that out stuff took out of him. Yeah, hasn't played very well. He anticipated playing really well, did he? And then he didn't. Yeah. And it's cold. Okay. Yeah. It's like thirty-two degrees this morning. They had to ba- they had to push it's like sweater weather. Yeah. They had to push the start back. Look at you. High of sixty-four and sun. They'll be fine. Will they? Yeah. I played that round that I played that day was in ice cold it weather. Cold. It was cold. It was. Well, we did every condition out there to try to make it worse for you. I mean, we y'all did a the good purpose job. was to run the score up. You did so a good job. We, we we succeeded. It was fine. Davis Riley, Mississippian, currently tied for third at one under through one hole. So he uh, he birdied the first. Oh, there you go. Yeah, he's often often running there at Oak Hill. What states it in? Uh, New York. It's in yeah. Rochester. It is in Rochester. Yeah. Good. There you yeah. go. There you go. They have it. It's the Wanamaker Trophy. It is. It's like a big, big cup sort of thing. It's a big cup sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Best trophy in sports, Stanley Cup, right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Not even really close. Yeah, it's awesome. The actual trophy or just everything they get to do with the trophy and the mystique? Just the whole the deal. It's that, and then it's the Magnolia Bowl trophy. Right there. One, one, I, and one I'm A. trying to be quiet. I hurt people's feelings. I frustrate people. I, I'm, I'm, I'm biting my tongue. I mean, the Stanley Cup, in fairness, in fairness, it, you, you didn't need a room full of, uh, of, of shop class guys like you did to make the Magnolia Bowl trophy. No, you need welders. Yeah, you just, just welded that thing together. Yeah, now it's just, I'm just a big old. I mean, more I think about it, it's nothing. Just a big aluminum. Or does LSU display the Magnolia Bowl trophy when they have it? In its equipment room. Its equipment room. Yeah. I don't know. They probably got it somewhere. They cut a hole in it and make it a cornhole board. Good. Sorry. I'm done. (laughs) Okay. You could. Yeah, I know. All right. Uh, Ole Miss, Alabama tonight, 6 o'clock. Again, the uh, start for that. Ole Miss doing its normal rotation. Uh, Revis, Quinn, and then TBA on Saturday. Again, I would expect Sonia because why not? What difference does it make at this point? Uh, Ole Miss 25 and 26 overall, 6 and 21 in the uh, in the SEC. When was the last time they had a losing record? Overall? Yeah. Uh, 1997, which was also the last time that they did not win 30 games in a season, this, this breaking the longest active streak in the SEC. Every other SEC team has not, has had a streak of less than that active with 30 more more wins. Wow. LSU would If I be, told you at the beginning of the season. Yeah. If I had told you at the beginning of the season, hey, the Alabama series will be literally meaningless. Ole Miss is not going to any tournament. Yeah, already eliminated from Hoover. Eliminated right. from Hoover. If I'd said they're going to be eliminated from Hoover, before they get to Tuscaloosa, those games, win or lose, will be completely meaningless in terms of postseason aspirations. Would you have believed me? 
No, I didn't think it'd be that bad. I mean, you would have had to have told me they had a rash of injuries that went far beyond what it was. I mean, where they so just if I lost. told you that happened and said, take a guess at what happened, what would you? Oh, be? I would have said what actually happened happened. Plus, Kemp and Calvin got hurt. Yeah, because you know Calvin gets hurt, they don't have a catcher. Like right, you know, right, you right. could start piecing. But no, I mean, to this level, no. Uh, it's what Joe and I were talking about yesterday. We kind of went, where did we go wrong? We kind of did a media analysis. Yeah, yeah. And we found places. I mean, but it was more of everything that could go wrong that we could have come up with did. You like, thought, I think, I'm putting words in your mouth. Yeah, I sure. think you thought this team, I get to, I get the benefit of, of getting to talk to you off the off the screen. You thought this team was like 14, 16, 15, 15 range, right? I, it's two things. I thought their offense one to nine was better than it was. I got misled a little in my own head by the finish last year and put that type of expectations on some of the returning players. Sure. That's what happened. Right. That, that would be one of my faults. The other one was simply, and this has no real scientific backing. Mike's never had a season like that. So I go, until he does, I just assume he figures it out. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm not criticizing. You know what I mean? I, like, I completely you go, okay, get no, it. I mean, yeah, no, I, I totally get it. It made no sense to predict 9-21 and 21 until he throws a 9-21. and 21. Now you go into next season, we go, okay, let's really look at this. You know, and you don't predict Elliot getting hurt. You go, okay, sure, they've sure. got a number one, and they've got this. And you but, think I think, this. I th- but I think you always factor in in your mind when you're doing this that, hey, there are going to be injuries. There's, sure. You know, I mean, occasionally a team has a magic season, but that's really rare. That's I mean, why I, I talked about it, and I'll, we'll do it on this show, is I start writing about it next week when the season finally ends. But I talked about it with Joe yesterday. It's It, it was the perfect storm because Ole Miss has such had such a poor roster sh- construction for the situation. Mike, for decades, has been elite Friday night guy. You mm-hmm. went on Friday, and you sort of piece it. And when that mm-hmm. got falling apart, it fell apart everywhere. And, I mean, we've talked about this a ton. I think it's never been harder for newcomer pitchers in the SEC to pitch, ever. I think it is the hardest year ever. And Ole Miss went into the season, and it's what we did not adjust for enough. It's another one of my failures in this, is Ole Miss had three guys returning with at least 10 innings. Just 10 innings. Three. That's it. So they had no one. They had no experience. Everybody was coming into this trying to figure it out together, and it it, it inflamed. So no, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have bought it. And now look, going into next year, the, these freshman pitchers that I like, especially the trio of Quinn, Sonia, and Takoyan, they got to be good. They got to take that step. They got to be really, really good next year in a lot of ways. And then they've got to replace so much offense. I mean, it's it's what everybody's sort of forgetting is that there are three all-SEC type level offensive players leaving at the end of the season. Oh, a guy that's going to go in the top ten in the draft. Yeah, Gonzalez, Harris, and Alderman are gone. I mean, it's what, and it shows you how offensive the SEC is, back to the other point, is that, yeah, you got to get your pitching instruction right, but you also have to be elite offensively because everybody else is. I mean, it just is what it is. You've got to be able to hit because Kemp Alderman had, had – Joe said this yesterday – had you given him the stats at the start of the year, and he went, oh, God, he might have been SEC Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. He's not in the top seven, probably. I mean, it's just, even beyond Dylan Cruz, there's just dudes. Well, and, and yeah, and, and and a lot of the teams have freshmen that are dudes. Carolina, yeah. uh, Georgia, Georgia, Auburn. Charlie The Irish, yeah. Irish has had a hell of a year. There's, there's just dudes kind of everywhere, and mm-hmm. Ole Miss didn't have one of those dudes no. at all. No. So, I mean, that's... You know, what do they get out of Cooper Pratt if they get him to campus? What do they get out of Campbell Smithwick if they get him to campus? Do you luck into one of those pitchers? Because at this point, it's going to be luck. I mean, it's just Muth and, and Noth. That's where they are. So, 
I don't know. It's 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 a little fascinating, but no, it definitely would have would have shocked me. But they are uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Alabama, by the way, seven and two since Brad Bohannon was fired um, at Alabama. They're and playing well. They're comfortably in as a two seed right now. I saw they were the two seed at Duke um, in the Durham Regional in D one baseball's projections for this week. The SEC with ten teams in the uh, NCAA tournament. Georgia falling out. It was eleven last week. Georgia now out. Um, state two back of Missouri and Georgia for the final spot in the SEC tournament. Um, They're going into the weekend. What do you anticipate happening there? I think if they miss Hoover, it's very possible Chris Alonis is fired. Two years from a national title. Obviously, if you're state. The Milwaukee Bucks raise their hand and go, yeah, get it. Obviously, if you're Mississippi State, you offer you, that you, job to you Butch You go Thompson. crawl on doorsteps to Butch Thompson and just plead and grovel until he says yes he's built auburn into something does he leave he still went 10 and 20 a couple years ago which is something that can happen at auburn that might not happen at state outside of a year like old miss had this year or something you're just getting butch is the perfect fit for that job and frankly would have been the perfect fit for the old miss job had a change happen last mm-hmm. year i don't know if he'd been hired but he'd been one of two or three guys um because it's, it's a perfect storm. You're giving him more resources and more ability than his current job, but he also is intimately aware of all the issues that you have in your job at the same time. He won't be surprised by anything. He was the pitching coach at Mississippi State for a long time. He is from Mississippi. He would recruit to Ole Miss. He would recruit to Mississippi State. And what Butch does so well is he maximizes good seasons. Now, look, he can just have a year where he can't figure it out and the roster is really bad. But when he's got dudes at all, He's really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, but they're they're a team that should be very bad. That shouldn't m- maybe be in in not making Hoover, and instead they're comfortably in the tournament. And if they had some huge weekend, they might even get in the hosting ca- conversation. I mean, they're not going to host, but you know what I mean. He's he's and without his ace, Joseph Gonzalez got hurt. I know he didn't pitch. I know there's Didn't nothing about Tommy Vale where you go, oh wow, he looks awesome, and yet he just gets outs. Yeah, you don't watch him pitching. No, 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 stud. Yeah, I, I kind of had to look at Mike a little funny and whatever day he pitched last week, because Mike goes, yeah, you know, he really reminded me of Doug Nikhazy, and I went, Mike, hold on, stop. <laughs> Those are this because they're left handed. <laughs> yeah, like, what are we doing? Right, no, right, right. there's nothing about him that was reminding me of Doug Nikhazy right now. But sure, <laughs> yes, yes. I, I just, I'm left handed too. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it's whatever. So. You remind me a lot of Nick Casey. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. Anyway, yeah. uh, plenty of podcasts. If you miss Chris Beard, any of our other episodes throughout the week, take care of that. I assume Neil's talking to Tyler later today. Yeah. That will be up uh, also, and then we'll be back with you on uh, Monday. So take care. Have a good day. Talk to you then. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.